Welcome to We Are Free. I am your host, Becky Morquecho, and you're listening to episode 60. This is a podcast about letting go of what we think our lives should look like and the sweet freedom God has for us on the other side of surrender. My guest today is Nadie Hess. Nadie is mama to three precious kiddos and wife to Zach, a Marine Corps veteran and firefighter paramedic. She's the new content manager at Exhale, a coffee and crumbs online community that helps moms pursue creativity in the margins. She also is the site manager for her church's children's ministry, a homeschool mom, and a freelance writer. Welcome, Nady. Thanks for carving time out of all of that for us today. <laughs> oh, I am just so glad to be here. Thanks for having me, Becky. Yeah, I met I quote unquote, my fingers are doing quotes, met Nady in the uh, exhale group, which I'm a part of, um, which I absolutely love as a creative. And we were just talking about this before I hit record of like us creating that space for ourselves, um, whether it's in the day to day or, you know, taking a retreat with a girlfriend for the weekend. But as you've probably noticed, if you're listening, I've been off for a couple months. I was going to take December off and decided January needed to be with that December lumped over there. <laughs> so we're back and I'm, I'm excited to be here, but I needed a little bit of that margin that we were chatting about. Oh, creativity and the margins. I think it's so important for moms to just find their spaces and know that they can still create in the middle of that. So it's one of my favorite things, which is why I'm part of Exhale. Yes, we have some things in common. Uh, Nadi um, wrote an article, you guys, it's called The Shame of a Foreigner. And as I met her and was on her Instagram, I, I somehow ended up on this uh, blog post that she had written and it's about her story. Um, and it's very important and the topic is important and we haven't talked about it yet on We Are Free and I wanted to bring some light to it. So um, we're going to dive in and we'll kind of talk about what that all means. But Nadi, why don't you first just give us a little bit of background um, on your family's history, your family's story, and how that has played such an important role in your story. Um, mm -hmm. We'll just kind of start maybe some years ago. Yeah. Um, my parents are from two different countries. My mom's from Mexico and my dad's from Guatemala. Um, and like starting way back before I was born in the 80s, my dad um, escaped uh, not necessarily persecution, but civil war in Guatemala. There was a lot of political unrest. And so with him, he escaped a life of trauma and of poverty. And so he went to Mexico and my mom was a young single mom. She had four kids at the time. Um, her kids were living with her parents um, but she went to the border, um, Tijuana, and that's where she met my dad working at a textile uh, factory. Um, and these are two very broken people, just from the circumstances, from poverty, and just sin in general. And um, two sinners got together. and As we all yeah, do. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and um, they fell in love really quickly and got pregnant with me fairly quick. So um, in all of that, my dad's hope and goal was to seek asylum in the United States so that he could pursue a better life, um, the American dream and all. But 
um, he brought my mom along with him and she was very hesitant. Um, so there was a lot of, I call it like a soap opera of, (laughs) of my life because they, uh, she didn't tell him that she had four other kids. And so there was just uh, a lot of mistrust within the relationship from the get go. And, um, from there they brought a, They brought me along with them in the middle of that. So they, um, they crossed the border undocumented. My dad was seeking asylum, but poverty doesn't come without its traumas. And he sought to relieve his trauma through alcoholism, through addiction. And so my childhood was filled with all sorts of, um, domestic violence between the two of them and um, seeking other religions to fill that void of trying to navigate those waters of healing, which they still haven't gotten there yet. Um, But it's one of the things that I just grew up with. um, And now they're separated. Um, But through all of that, my mom eventually became Mormon. And um, I was about 13 years old when she decided that. And I became Mormon along with her. I ended up at um, being really devoutly Mormon and even went to Brigham Young University. (laughs) And um, so that's kind of the whole backstory of what my past has looked before. Yeah. Um, that's a lot. Um, I know we all, we all have a lot, but like you summed it up really well. You're concise. You're like, here is my life. This was a childhood. Um, what in this article, what you wrote in the shame of a foreigner, you talk about, um, not being documented and you talk about eventually how it started to like bring about shame in your life. Um, how old were you? Like when you start, when you remember like that starting to be a thing. I remember being about, uh, about the time when I was, I became a Mormon. So about 12 to 13 years old, um, there was like a span trip um, and they were going to Bermuda. I played the French horn and I am a three, I am an overachiever. And part of that was because we had to get ahead. I had to get good grades. I had to do this so that we could do well. And I never understood it until that band trip. And I thought, oh, I could go, like, this is awesome. This is what my parents have talked about. And they sat down with me and explained everything. And I thought, oh, okay. So I'm a little bit different than other people. Um, what did they say to you? What, were, what was explained? Um, my parents told me that we could not travel. Um, I had no documentation in the country. And so even thinking traveling, even leaving me anywhere, was just not possible. I thought, okay, I don't quite understand what that means, but like it made me different. Um, and the difference brought this feeling of shame and unworthiness that I had never felt before. And then when I got to high school, that just heightened because I thought, am I even able to go to college? Um, am I able to do all of this? And you just that label of undocumentation brought this 
shame um, that I couldn't work myself out of. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I kept trying to achieve over and over again in order to kind of cover up that shame mm-hmm. and that feeling of unworthiness. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of where it really started. And I mean, it just kind of bloomed until I got to college. Yeah. Is it something that you talked about with your friends? Like did close friends know, or is it something you tried to hide? Like what was your, how did it come out in like everyday life with other people? Um, I, I did get to talk about it with some friends, um, just under wraps. I did have another undocumented friend and we talked about it at length. Like, what does this look like for us? Like, who are we less than, um, especially cause I grew up in the South too. And you would just hear those side comments of those people and you knew you were that person and you wondered, is this what people really think of me? Um, and you kind of tie it to your identity and thinking, Oh, this is really what people think of me. And all of this is happening while I don't know the truth of Jesus and who he is, the truth of the gospel and just feeling completely unloved um, and feeling the shame of what that title meant because you were not yourself. I'm not needy. I was undocumented was what I was. And that was very painful. How did that change? How did you become the Nady you are now? Um, <laughs> when did when did Jesus show up for you? So um, again, trying to overachieve in every way. I grew, I uh, graduated high school, and I had I had a good friend who lived in Wisconsin. We were online friends, and then he joined the Marine Corps. And I am not an advocate for missionary dating. <laughs> At all. <laughs> but um, we, I was on the phone arguing of all things about Apple computers, like for them, because I'm a huge Apple nerd. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, he passed the phone off to a friend uh, who was uh, a believer. And we just started talking. And our friend Tyler um <laughs> said you're gonna really get along with him like you guys have a lot in common you talk about Jesus and I was talking about a different Jesus than what now my husband is talking was talking about but my husband was the catalyst of sharing the gospel with me um and he really liked me he thought it was fun and I think he still thinks that (laughs) (laughs) I hope so I think he probably does (laughs) um but I, it was in our weekly conversations on the phone while I'm getting back from class. Um, and we talk about theology. We talk about what we believe. And there was one day where he just was so aggravated that he's like, you've been deceived. Like you're being really sinful and thinking that you can be your own savior. And I was so mad at him because I thought you just don't understand. (laughs) Um, But it was the working of the Holy spirit that really worked on my heart and reading the book of Isaiah um, that really brought new meaning to who Jesus was as a savior Mm -hmm. and what that meant for me. Um, And so I really came to know Jesus 
through my husband and sharing the gospel, but really through reading the word um, and finding godly women like his mom who actively discipled me and finding a new hope in the fact that, no, I am not my documentation. I am not my sin. I am not my shame. I am uh, a believer of Jesus, one who knows that he died for her specifically. And by name, he chose me. And that was really transformative in knowing what the gospel really meant. Yeah. That's so cool that he was the one that did that for you. I love that. Um, that's a good love story. Um, <laughs> Needy, um, so the shame that you kind of had and you're trying to like work your way out of it and then you learn who Jesus is and really like believe it and accept it. Um, all, I mean, you had years of feeling that heavy thing. I mean, we all have felt shame in one way or another. Like how, how did that change? Like as you started to accept Jesus and as you um, wanted to live your life differently, like, do you still feel that way? I mean, it's a big part of your, your past and it's your story. Yeah. Like, how do you deal with it now? Like, do you still carry that shame with you? Like, what do you do with it when you're feeling it? I think, um, in various forms, I will always struggle with it, but it will not just, I will not be tied to it. I'm not a slave to it anymore. Um, and I think of like, my husband was in the Marine Corps, so he deployed, twice in that time there was a big gap when we were dating and there was a big gap after we were married um and he like we kept in touch and everything but for the most part other women discipling me and bringing me into what it is what a relationship with jesus actually means was instrumental in finding times where I felt that shame, um, becoming a mom was a big one. I thought, how is this? I asked myself these questions. How will this generational trauma affect me and my parenting? Um, what will I have the same relationship with my child as I, my parents had with me? Um, and then of course, like, have I shared the gospel enough with my own children? Um, and I felt that, especially that weight as a new mom and wondering if I'm like, am I doing enough? Is this enough for my son? Um, at the time, cause my husband was deployed when I had my first baby and these women, um, and I love them. They were called the joy class. Uh, they were all like the age of 75 and up in our first church that we attended. I love that so much. <laughs> Isn't that so wonderful? There's a woman in one of my Bible studies and I don't know how old she is, but my guess is somewhere around that age and I are 80. I mean, and I just like love hearing what she has to say. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, you I, know, I was, you know more than I do. You know a lot. Yeah. They just are so full of wisdom. Yes. and. I mean, the name, the class was appropriately named the joy class, but there were like, I was the youngest woman in that room by about 50 years. And it seriously, I was just so blessed to have that group of women. And it was this tiny church. Um, my son, Charlie was the first baby born in that church in probably a couple of decades. <laughs> 
which is crazy. Yeah, that is crazy. <laughs> That's saying something. Yeah. Yeah. And so um, those women really pointed to scripture and found a devotion um, in looking to the word as being their light. So, you know, the psalm um, where it will be a light onto my feet, a light onto my path. I think of that verse because, I mean, shame is a type of darkness. If we point to our first parents in Genesis, uh, they hid away the first time they felt their own shame. And knowing that the word of God is alive and active and does the transformative work, it, it, casts a light onto that shame and it dispels it. And to me, that's what I go to constantly, as well as my relationships with other women in seeking their help and their guidance. To this day, I I, I always try to make sure that I have an older woman that is pouring into me at any point in time, um, because I think it's extremely important. Um, and of course, counseling, professional counseling, I cannot speak enough of because what I went through was traumatic and deeply difficult. Um, a good biblical counselor, I always advocate for them. And I have a great counselor. She's fantastic. I love her. Um, but being in community, um, has really helped dispel, um, the feelings of shame. Not that I don't feel them, but, and then I will struggle with them, but, that I know that I have something I go to the word community and faithful relationships with other women. So good. Such good advice. Yeah. We have a whole episode. I think it's called let's normalize counseling or something along those lines um, yeah. with my friend, Wynn elder. And we, she just talks about counseling and like what that looks like and what her counseling looks like in her sessions. But um, we we're all about it over here. Um, <laughs> yeah. Needy, how, I want to just chat for a second. You talked, you mentioned like you had thoughts of like the generational like sin or shame that's like carried with you. Like um, just taking it back to your parents for a second and like whether we all have our stories and we all have our parents and they've all gone through stuff and we do too. And I've thought the same stuff. Like there's stuff in my family where it's like, hmm, what is, what am I bringing with me? You know, what is that generational sin? And um, I guess how you said you've asked yourself that question, like how, what has the answer been for you? Like, what have you seen in your own life? Do you feel, um, you know, I guess, how do your parents' choices like affect you to this day or how have you moved through that or forward? And it's not like they, you know, obviously didn't do all bad things. Um, <laughs> you know, we tend to be like, oh, these are the things that stick with us, you know, but yeah. obviously there's positive that goes along with all of that as well. But um how has uh, how have your parents' choices and circumstances like affected um, you outside of the shame um, to this day? Um, I think real like again going back to Genesis, it all goes back to the garden, and it all, I always point it back there because it's something that our first parents, Adam and Eve, did the same thing. They made a huge choice that affected us in an eternal way. And there, that's like the beginning of sin and shame and hiding away from that. And I think with our parents, knowing that, for one, they are also sinners, but they're also made in the image of God, um, they 
they are loved by a father that created them as well. Um, and knowing that they are offered the same grace and the same joy through Jesus and his sacrifice on the cross. Like, I think um, that's been such a, I don't have to hold on to that anymore. Um, even if I keep going back to it, but what's the truth? The truth is that Jesus has covered that. And I pray for them still. I and I fully think and believe that maybe there is a chance for them if they if they believe in Jesus to restore a relationship for them to be redeemed. Um, because yeah, we cling onto those things. I'm like, are, am I going to do the same thing? Am I going to create such a void in my child's life because I didn't create that type of relationship. And that's a lie um, from that. It's, it's not true. Um, and I think if we continue to believe in that lie, like we'll find ourselves drifting away from Christ, but in knowing that Christ covers that. And I actually have, one of my favorite verses from Isaiah, um, and this is what the verse, the three verses that I always cling to because it was what brought me to his fold. It was the transformative thing that helped me understand what Christ's sacrifice was. Um, it's Isaiah 53, three through five. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was a chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. And to me, I think it speaks leaps and bounds of what generational trauma does, but also what, how much greater Christ's sacrifice covers all of that. We, he brought us peace and he gives us healing in that. I think that to me is um, such a breath of fresh air. Yeah. I love it. Thanks for reading that. Yeah. Nady, what are some of your greatest joys like that you never expected to experience um, coming from some of the darker feelings you felt in the past, like with motherhood and your own children and like who you are and who you see God creating you to be? And I know we all have the tendency to like, you know, be humble and like, what, what do you feel like are some strengths that he has given you that like you didn't expect coming out of some of the hardships that you've endured? I think one of the things is that um, with trauma and an understanding what that looks like, um, I can sit with people and grieve with them a little bit more than most people would be able to. And also be able to see people um, not for what they've been labeled before, not where they've been before. Um but to really see them as someone who's made in the image of God and know that, yeah, Jesus is here. He is here with us. He will always be. And that to me, um, I am so thankful for that joy, even in the midst of the darkness, like that to me 
what a gift that I can share that with other people that I can just be there with them. Yeah. And, and that's so meaningful. Like just, I mean, sometimes you just need, I mean, a lot of times as women, I feel like you don't even want somebody to fix. You just want somebody to like hear you and see you. Mm-hmm. I mean, I have those feelings. Um, so I think that that is such a great gift. I'm sure like you have show that in your friendships. And I think that's such an incredible quality. Like a lot of the time I just need somebody to like, just sit with you in it, you know? Um, so mm-hmm. the fact that you have the capacity for that because of the things that you've experienced, that's that's a gift. That's awesome. Yeah. So um, I love that. Go yeah. ahead. <laughs> um, I was just going to say, what encouragement do you have for um, somebody who might be listening? Uh, maybe a different past, maybe not, you know, being undocumented, maybe just something very different or the same, but like carrying that shame um, with them from from their past, from parents' decisions and circumstances that has turned into now like their life as well. Yeah. Um, I always turn to rehab and my kids hear me talk about rehab all the time, which is kind of a weird story to say, share with your kids. <laughs> but that's another woman with a past and she she carried it with her and yet she wanted the Lord to deal with her kindly. Um, and then you see that promise carried through scripture in Matthew when they're going through the genealogy of Christ and Rahab is in there. Um, to know that if you are a woman with a past, that God has redeemed your past through Christ's sacrifice on the cross. And that is the joy um, in knowing that the God, the creator of the universe and of all the heavens cared so much to deal with you kindly by offering you a new chance, a new hope in Christ and knowing that you get to be with him again. That's, that is the joy and the hope and the freedom to live in that new hope. I, and that's my encouragement for anyone that thinks like, I'm never going to get past it. Well, if Rahab had the Lord deal with her kindly, he can deal with you kindly as well. I love that. I'm glad you brought Rahab up. I like that a lot. <laughs> uh, Nady, what do you feel that God has set you free from? Um, I believe God has set me free from shame and from needing to work myself into his approval. Yeah. Thank you so much for just sharing uh, your walk and where you've come from and where you are and how God has shown up. Um, I That's the whole point of this podcast, but I believe it's just such an encouragement to hear and you did it so well. And I love so many of the things that you had to say. So it's going to be hard trying to find a sound bite. But, <laughs> uh, Nadie, what, what do you, you have some new stuff going on in your life, new job yeah. stuff, but like, what's something that you are working on personally that you're excited about? Oh my goodness. Um, I just started my newsletter for the first time this month. I thought, well, I think it's time. Yeah. <laughs> um, I've got a new coffee and crumbs, uh, essay coming out um this month so I'm just so excited to share that and it's it's more lively it's not as like digging into the weeds (laughs) it's it's more fun um but just the newsletter and I'm just excited to chat with people I know with ministry 
Um, I'm really hoping and praying into um, starting a new kids ministry curriculum with my church. And that's something that I just look forward to. <laughs> awesome. I love it. I, I don't know. I don't have that in me. I have a girlfriend of mine in a different Bible study. She just said the same thing. She's in the midst of like possibly working on this new curriculum. And both of you like had this joy in your faces. And I love it because I have a child and she needs curriculum, but I'm not the one to come up with it. So thank you for doing what you do. <laughs> um, where can we find you online? Where can we follow along? Um, follow me along at uh, on Instagram at Nadie Hess. And I'll just have my link tree right now. That's where I am. Yep. And Or follow along with Exhale in our community group. Cool. Thank you so much, Nadie, for uh, just taking the time and sharing everything you have. Uh, so glad to have you on. Of course. Thank you so much again. Yeah. Again, don't forget to check out the show notes where we have all of the info and links and resources we talked about in the show. You can go to beckymorquecho.com, B-E-C-K-Y-M-O-R-Q-U-E-C-H-O.com. Thanks for listening in.